All right. Well, I'm noticing all the number of children here today. So you will all become part of the Moments for Young Disciples today. Look at, look at all the smiling faces. Oh, he's going to call on me. So you have to be interactive. This is, this is one big group together. Good morning, my friends. Good morning. All right. Good to see you all. Hey, you know, I haven't seen you guys for a couple of but happy fall. I'm sorry it's late, but happy fall. It's fall time finally. What do you guys like about fall? Leaves changing colors, that's right. Yeah, as long as they stay up in the tree, that's very nice. Yeah, very nice. Tom, what do you like about, about fall time? You know, I just don't do much yard work. I enjoy the rest. You enjoy the rest. Very nice. Yeah. All right, especially certain Sunday morning, not this Sunday morning. Uh, what else do you guys like about fall? <coughs> What's that? I said the sun goes away. My son and I are right here. Excellent. See, that's good. That's good. Sun goes away. No more sunscreen. That's right. We don't have to worry about that for like six months now. That's excellent. The Seahawks. Sure, most of us here like the Seahawks. And uh, that's great. No, it's, it, it, what a time to pull together people is, this, is when football season starts. And, uh, and the Seahawks are great. It, it's, it's just wonderful to follow them. Um, I, I wish I was on the bus, but it's a lot of fun. I know it is. Anybody here like back to school? Very nice. Fall is, a, fall is kind of a, is a great time, especially in the church, you know, because it's basically a signpost on what's going to happen in the future. Because visually it's beautiful. We talk about the leaves that are up there, and we know that's kind of temporary, but, but and we know that winter is coming. Not Game of Thrones winter is coming, but just winter is coming. But there's always God's promise what happens after winter is we get spring and get summer all over again. And sunscreen, I'm sorry about that, but... But uh, um, that's God's promise. God's promise in the fall times, look at how beautiful it is. It's say, saying, look at how nice I've given you a fall. In your coming months, we're going to have spring and summer again. And it's, it's, I always look at this fall about God's promise about what's going to come. Because we're all going to make it through winter, and spring and summer will be there later. So let's say, let's say a quick prayer. Dear God, we thank you for fall. And the beautiful leaves... And when school, starts, when school starts, and the Seahawks start, the Seahawks start. we can put away our sunscreen. Away our sunscreen. Well, most of us. <laughs> it's a wonderful time, God. And a promise of your future. And we appreciate it a lot. Because we, we love you, God. And we know you love us. Amen.
How's it going? How was your week? I was out of town all week. Anything happen? I'm sorry. I, I, I haven't watched much of the national news or anything. But um, yeah, it's been quite a week. Um, I'm sure emotions are flying either way. I want to uh, take a time for a second to embarrass a couple of people who've done this to me before. But uh, Mark and Cheryl Governor Morris are visiting us from, uh, from the Bay Area. Mark and Cheryl were our, our pastors when we were in church in California. And, uh, and when uh, all the events were happening this week, I said, hey, Cheryl, why don't you, you know, I'm preaching, why don't you come on up? And son of a gun, she did. Um, <laughs> so they're retired now, which they're probably the youngest looking retired couple I've ever met. But thank you guys for being here today and, and, uh, and experiencing this and sharing this with all of us. Um, yeah, quite a week. So uh, let's see what Luke has to say about it. So we're gonna, the passage today is uh, Luke chapter 21, uh, verses 5 through 19 in the Old Testament. It's on page 85 in case you want to uh, follow along in your pew Bibles. If I deviate a little bit of it, just bear with me. This is the word of God. Some of the disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? What will be the sign that, will, that they were about to take place? He replied, watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming, I am he, the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. And he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilence in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues, and they will put you in prison. And you'll be brought before kings and governors and all account, on all account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how to defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdoms that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed, even by parents, brothers, sisters, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. Wow. I'm going to jump to the, to the, um, to the message uh, um, translation of this. It says, but staying with it, that's what is required. Stay with it to the end. You won't be sorry. You'll be saved. And this is the word of the Lord. Yeah, when I met with Scott a few months ago, and we were looking at the schedule, and we said, and, and, I, and about opportunities that I could have to preach, and he said, well, these are the, the weekends that are, that are available. One of them was November 13th. I said, oh, that's okay, I'll take that one. I said, do you realize that's the first Sunday after the election? He says, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fun. <laughs> you have to, talk, you have to have talk about a lot of healing and, and being together and stuff. And I think he had no idea. You know, why couldn't I have gotten that passage right before this is the one where the, the widow comes to the temple and she gives everything that she has and everything, and that's, that's an easy one. But 
That's what that God does. He doesn't put you in the easy spots. He puts you in the spots that you have to think. Because in, as in this message, we are approaching the end of the church year. And when we do that, a lot of the readings we're going to be having in the next few weeks are, are they're darker, they're more foreboding. They talk about the end of times. They talk about trials and tribulations. And, and because it's all leading up to Advent, beginning of Advent. We, we all know what happens at the beginning of Advent. Pastor Scott comes back. <laughs> but besides that, of course, the Advent is the season where we're waiting for the light of Christ to come. So we've got the darker days now, the darker passages, waiting for the light of Christ. So this little uh, ditty uh, happens um, like Tuesday of Passion Week. It's interesting because I didn't realize that, that his talk like this was a Passion Week. And you look back at prior messages and in prior other Gospels, he's leading his, his disciples and other people exactly to where he wants to go when talking about the kingdom of God. It's Tuesday. Nothing happens on Tuesday. Like, you know, in our youth group, we studied a lot on Holy Week last, year, last week. And we talked a lot about the, 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 the parables of the lost son and particle. And it comes up to, to um, Palm Sunday. And then we make that leap to Thursday, to Monday, Thursday. Because that's the next big thing that happens, right? Because Tuesday is what? I thought, what, Jesus has piano lessons on Tuesday or something? Or, or you know, they've got some breakfast or something. But no, they just right in the middle of this. So here we got this little story about starting with the temple. And when we would think of temple, I always think of kind of Jewish synagogue and such. But this was a big monster. This is ginormous. Um, it was the center of the Jewish world. That's why Jesus came here during Holy Week. Huge temple. Herod, not a real friend of the Jews, built this baby up. And he, he made it so large because he wanted to rival all the other pagan rulers in the area. And, and, and everybody wanted to show how big he was by showing how big his building was. And this thing could hold like 400,000 people. So this is, you could have quite a concert in the temple if that's what you were doing at that time. And it seemed so permanent. It was so large, made of stone, so permanent. And those are the things Jesus loves. He loves that, that when man looks at something that looks so, so permanent in the way he can tear it down. It's another common theme in our youth group is it's man's expectations versus God's, I don't know, not plan, but I guess God's grace. We tend to think about what we think that God wants. We're not, we should be listening to what God wants. Buildings are fine, but they're temporary. Remember, Luke wrote this story um, after it was destroyed, so it was kind of, a, kind of looked like a um, self-fulfilling self prophecy, but... Um, yeah, so when he finally wrote the gospel, this was years after the, build, the temple had come down. He said, look, Jesus talked that this was going to happen. Was it a prediction? I don't know. I think of predictions versus prophecies. Predictions is like, well, this is what's going to happen. And uh, okay, who could have predicted the Cubs? I don't know. But that was, uh, actually, somebody did. Did you guys read uh, that in 2013, some person tweeted when the manager went over to the Cubs from Tampa Bay. They said, 2016 World Series, Cubs versus Indians. It would go to game seven, it will go to extra innings, and the world would end. We had a rain delay, so I was, it was a little scary there, but that's a prediction. Uh, prophecies are, are more like, I always think of, why do I always think of Harry Potter? I think of prophecies. You know, it's these big, big things where it's like all oh, the, it says this will happen and this person will, will reign or something. I, I, 
they don't really stick Jesus with a prophecy either. I think just knowing what's going to happen. I think he knew what was going to happen and was just telling people. Because that was quite the statement. Can you imagine being part of his group and being hit with that? You're standing in this temple, which is the center of your world, your religious world. He says, this will come down stone by stone. And he doesn't say, so uh, be prepared. He doesn't, Jesus never says that. He always says, kind of deal with it. That last part about the, you know, st- stick with it. Be there what happens afterwards. In this translation, it says, make up your mind not to, not to prepare a defense. In the Greek translation, it's a command. It says, put your heart, put in your hearts not to prepare your defense. It's a command. Do not worry about that because it's only temporary. Now, I've been a lifelong Catholic, but I've been around the Presbyterian Church enough that if Jesus was here and he said, this, this whole building would come down, I, I, all I know, uh, what would we do? We'd appoint a subcommittee, right? And... Uh, and, and we'd meet with the architect, and the, and the buildings and grounds committee would be involved with, and then we'd get session in, and we'd bring in the Presbyterian, we'd meet the Town Historic Society, and we'd buy scaffolding and repairs and hammers and everything else. We would have this preparation. Jesus, don't worry about that. It must happen. It must happen. So deal with it, what's going to happen on the other side. I think hanging out with Jesus would be kind of tough. Because there's like nothing you can say in just passing with him without him delivering some cosmic uh, um, uh, significance to whatever you say. You know, it, it probably somebody just said, hey, boy, look at aren't those stones kind of pretty. You guys everybody met somebody in the supermarket and said, hey, Craig, how are you doing? And you're like, oh, well, I tell you, you know, I got this thing going on. My back's really hurting me. My son, he's got this thing going on. I don't know what it is. And at home, I got the sewer coming up. And he'll go for 10 minutes about what's going on. And you're like, Dude, I just want to know if you were okay. You know, I just want to make conversation. Look at the pretty stones. And Jesus says, yeah, I know, but don't, pay attention. don't be distracted by the sparkly things. And he heard that admiration in their voices, though. And he heard when they, even if it was a passing comment, and they said, well, look at, look at these wonderful gifts, and look at the pretty stones, and look at the architecture. Because he heard that admiration. That admiration of riches and wealth. I thought, I can't let them go down that road. We, know, we have those ourselves. You know, we've got the, the latest tools, gadgets, phones that do everything, like make coffee in the morning or something. I mean, these phones nowadays are, are amazing. But, but we can't be distracted by the sparkly things there. Because it's admiration. That's not what holds up during the hard times. Faith is the strength. Most of you guys are parents here. You know you've taken your kids to the store before, and they go, Daddy, and you know it's coming. And they're going to start asking about all the things they want, and you cut it off right away, and you say, ah, no, we're just here to pick up something for your mother. And no, no. And that's kind of what Jesus is doing here to them. So Jesus heard what they were saying, but then he said, yeah, but, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but that's not important. I think, that, I think that Jesus was the king of Yabat. He would hear something, he would acknowledge it, and then he'd point you in the right direction. Jesus, I'm a fisherman. Yeah, but you should follow me. Jesus, I'm a tax collector. People hate me. Yeah, but 
have faith in God. Yeah, the, look at all the pretty stones. I like this. Yeah, but that's not what's important. Focus on what's important. He understood what people were going through. He knows what, what they liked, but he wanted to keep the focus on the really important things. Temples will be greater, but they will fall. Yeah, but. You're going to have war, famine, destruction. Yeah, but I will be there for you. He even talked about his own death. Yeah, but it will be resurrection. It's interesting because I'm reading this passage and about there's war and famine and destruction and everything else, and, and I read it and like, God, oh, I actually turned to the Old Testament for my inspiration. It's usually the other way around for me. You know, I love the Old Testament. We, we talk about it a lot in youth group. But then it's like, okay, all this, all this uh, uh, everything that we're doing here, all this smiting everything, let's, let's go to a happy New Testament story. I don't want the other way around this time. Because Isaiah this time talks about having a new heaven and a new earth. And he knew what was coming. He warned about that they were going to have a Babylonian captivity there at some point. And he warned them about that, but he talks about this new heaven, this new earth. That's God's best is yet to come. And we all know that. But wouldn't this have been a great uh, passage for a good Bible-thumping fundamentalist preacher up there going and, and all the war instruction? It's got, it's got fire, it's got brimstone, it's got hell. That's a big trifecta for a fundamentalist preacher. It's a great story for them. And Jesus, yet Jesus says, these must happen. None of us want that to happen, but they must happen. Wars, destructions, persecutions, presidential elections. It seems like the end of a lot of things happening, but it really isn't. Because these will continue to happen, maybe not in the exact detail that we know now, but these kind of things will continue to happen. They must happen. Just think about all the things we have already lived through, we have already experienced. Globally, through our society, individually, we've lived through a couple of world wars in this country. Before my time, and we just celebrated Veterans Day, and, and it's, it's wonderful that we can do that. And it's, it's a sad that every Veterans Day there seem to be less veterans there to help us um, celebrate that. Most of us here lived through 9-11. We thought that was an end. A lot of us lived through the JFK assassination. That was quite a, a, a moment for us. We probably all have experienced the loss of at least one loved one and wondering how we were going to get through that. And that's the idea, is their focus. And I'm sorry to bring this up, people. You started it. I know what it's like for my football team to lose an excruciating Super Bowl in the last play of the game, last minute of the game. I did it twice. So you guys have done it once, I've done it twice. But I mean, that feeling of that is like, it's, it's devastating. Yeah, there you go, right there. It's devastating. And it's like, okay, it's not a world war, but personally, it is devastating. And it's like, and how do you get through those things? You know, we talked a little bit about fall time and, and, and how visually beautiful, beautiful it is. And, and, you know, but not even the worst pessimists will say, well, that fall time, that sign of fall, it means that we're going to have winter forever. We know the cycle. We know that summer comes. So you have to watch out for the false signs. It's so easy to fall into it when you're desperate or invulnerable. When you're vulnerable, excuse me. Today is November 13th, and... In the Blazer family, it's significance because this is 
This is the day 14 years ago that my father passed away. It was on November 13th. And my mother was devastated, of course. I mean, her life partner was not there anymore. And at that point, it's those kind of people that can be taken advantage of so easily. Luckily, she had a supporting group of her family there to be with her that anything that came in, anything that came to her that looked like it was enlightening or, or some, you know, come join this or, 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 you know, we pray for you and these kind of things, we can kind of help her kind of what was real and what was not real. She was pretty good at it, though. So she would, anybody that, you know, we got, she got a lot of cards and anybody that sent her a card from these organizations, she always sent them like $5 because she did appreciate the story that they, that they, uh, that they gave her. But, but you have to understand the true motives, right? Because not everything appears what it's, what it, not, not everything is what it appears. Uh, I read a story about um, these two gas service men who were doing their rounds, checking meters, and they were at, parked at one end of the alley. And there was a senior guy and a younger guy, and they were checking all the meters all the way down. They got to the last house, and the woman's out there, and, and they're checking her meter, and she's looking at them. She's got curlers in her hair, and she's wearing the robe, and she's drinking some coffee. And, um, and then she's watching him, and so then the senior guy says, hey, I'll race you back to the car. Truck, he says, you can't beat me, you old man. He says, no, I can beat you. So they take off and they run. And they get to the thing, they turn around, and there's the woman in her robe and her curls running right after him, almost catching him. They're like, lady, what are you doing? She said, I saw a couple of gas guys running. I thought I should run too. <laughs> Not always what it appears to be. Jesus says, don't focus on the here and now. Whatever you're going through right now, it's okay to go through it. Yeah, but what's, what is your focus? Focus how, to con- how are you going to continue after a tragedy or after an event? You know, because we always want to fix things, don't we? Guys, we love to fix things, take out duct tape, <laughs> fix anything. We have to figure out what our spiritual duct tape is and things like that. But don't worry about fixing it. Focus on what comes afterwards. It just seems complicated, especially when you're in the moment. This week is a really difficult week for people to say, okay, well, I'm going to, um, okay, but I'm going to focus on the future. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to get angry. It's okay to have conversations on Facebook. But don't be terrified so you forget what is important and what you have to do. So remember, Luke, Luke wrote this story. He didn't write it for us. He didn't write it for 21st century Christians who were anxious about what was going to happen in the future and such. He wrote it for his people. Uh, he wrote it for the, for the beleaguered, persecuted minority that was under the Roman rule to help them deal with how they're going to be looking at later on. He wrote stories. Stories about the lives and, and perspectives of other people than the people that, that, when the people were reading it, they could understand about other people. People with different ex- perspectives, experiences, beliefs than our own. I had an uh, email conversation with my friend Noel this week because she brought this up, and so I asked her more about it. And she's, and she's a professional storyteller, basically. So stories help us to listen to other people. They actually build bridges between generations and centuries. We need this to continue. This is an important time right now to tell stories. It's how we build relationships. It's how we mend by telling stories about learning and listening about people that we might not have learned and listened about before. In our youth group, we love stories. 
We, uh, we have story time all the time, if you will, but, but we look a lot at, at the stories of the Bible, and we, we show that, you know what, 2,000 years ago, maybe older if it's test, Old Testament, these people are going through what we're going through, just in a different kind of realm. It, it, it just helps bring the Bible to life. It helps us have some kind of perspective. Because what's important when you go through here is our focus. Not focusing what's going on now is where we're supposed to be going. But, you know, this is not what I wanted to do. This is not what we were looking for. Yeah, but what's your focus? Where are you going? If before this election, before the war, before the JFK assassination, before 9-11, before anything, if your focus was on listening to God, you continue to listen to God. If your focus was on making family stronger, you continue your focus on making family stronger. If, if it's building community, you continue your focus on building community. If it's getting education or teaching others, you keep that focus. If it's, if it's working with LBGT issues, it's working with, with racial issues, with Black Lives Matters, if it's working with the Boy Scouts, that's your focus. You continue that focus. If your focus is stronger together, your focus remains stronger together. If your focus is on spreading seeds of God's love and helping other people become what they were, you continue that. It's the reason why I am talking to you today. I introduced Mark and Cheryl before, but, but besides my wife and my family, they are my strength and my love and why I do what I do in the religious sect right now. Cheryl taught me how to do children's sermons and about being up on stage. So most of this is her fault being up on stage with her. And Mark, I've listened to him for a long time give sermons, and, and a hero of mine, and, and, and I like to, 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 I love the journey he's brought me along, and now I'm going to my own journey. They wouldn't have let something like, anything like this stop that. Figure out what, what makes your life happen and keep it going. Because these ideas, they don't die. They continue on. I know it's hard. I said it was simple, but I know it's hard. I know it's hard to keep it up. I know it's hard to always put others before you if that's what you've always done, especially when something's happening in your life. It's hard to, to do the things you're supposed to do all the time. You, know, you, you have to go work at the food bank, or you have to put on that Christmas pageant, or you have to teach Bible study, or you have to preach week after week. Are you kidding me? No way that I've done it. I don't know how you guys did this. This is great. Uh, I'm taking a nap after this. But... <laughs> week after week, month after month, year after year, to continue it because that is what's important. That's what the focus is. So when you're tired and you're down, it's how, do you, how do you fill that spiritual gas tank? How do you keep going? If it's reading the Bible, you continue to do that. Identify what it is that your spiritual gas tank is. It's to attend um, uh, Bible studies, do that. If it's time with family and friends, you do that. When I go to youth group sometimes. It's like, oh, I've worked all day. Uh, I'm tired. I'm going to go there. And the spirit these kids give me, I always walk home in a good mood of it. It's just, it, that's what feeds me. Maybe it's the Seahawks. Maybe. Maybe that's what helps out spiritual gas tank. I know I've heard a lot of praying during games, so. <laughs> and what we're talking about, we're not talking about quick solutions and stuff, right? We're not talking about a bumper sticker material. We're not talking about, you know, turning negatives into positives or Tragedies and the triumphs, or hey, turn that frown upside down. It's not what we're talking about here. 
talking about it's really deep. We're talking about faith. This long-term real change comes from unification, reconciliation, compassion, understanding, all these things. And that's what you have to maintain. I did kind of start writing a, an outline to this sermon, and then, and then <coughs> Tuesday happened. And, um, and I thought, oh, well, it's time to, I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid of that sermon. It's like, hey, God said, no. Uh, that's the whole point, is that you continue on on your focus. It's like, but what? Yeah, but look at the passage I gave you. It's perfect for this Sunday. Talk about all these things, and at the end when God says, he said something really profound. Stay with it, right? Always stay there. Staying with it, that's what is required. Stay with it to the end. You won't be sorry. You'll be saved. So all this, remember that we are all God's children, all of us. And in any catastrophe, what happens, in anything that goes wrong, God's faithful people should lift their head and expect resurrection, redemption, and rescue. So hang in there. Trust God. Have endurance. Stay with it. No catastrophe that you can experience personally or globally has the power over those that are claimed by God through baptism. We have the ultimate power through him. Here I am. Make sure you say it to him all the time. I'm going to leave you with uh, David Livingston, the legendary missionary from Africa. When, uh, when he was going, he had a great prayer. He said, Lord, send me anywhere. Only go with me. Lay any burden on me. Only sustain me. Then he testified, what has sustained is that promise, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Yeah, but stay with it. Here I am, Lord. Amen.